0: Welcome to Speak and Destroy episode 75. Speak and Destroy is a podcast featuring interviews about Metallica, and I'm your host, Ryan J. Downey. My guest this episode is comedian Dean Del Rey. Dean draws upon a life of heavy metal and Harleys that began in the Bay Area, telling stories as a stand-up and as a longtime host of the Let There Be Talk podcast. His show bears the distinction of being the first podcast to feature all the current guys in ACDC spent four hours talking with Kirk Hammett for one episode and has himself appeared on the podcast hosted by his friends, Bill Burr, Mark Marin, and Joe Rogan. Some podcasts you probably heard of. Speaking of podcasts, if you could go into Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and write a nice little review of Speaking and Destroy, that's about the best thing you can do right now to support this podcast. Write a review like this one from MDCXXC, which says, really great podcast. I'm a very casual Metallica fan, but found this so much fun to listen to. It's like listening in on a casual conversation with fans of the band and people in the know. Definitely worth a listen. Or this review from That Bick: Ryan Downey's the man. Thank you, Bick. Every interview I've listened to with Ryan Downey has always been fun and interesting. He's always insightful and authentically interested, which keeps me listening. I love this podcast. Great interviews. Ryan rocks. I swear I picked that review at random. I'm just looking at all the reviews right now. So that's the bar. If you could leave a review that's at least as good as those, I would be very happy and I will probably read it in one of these intros. You can also support Speaking Destroy on Patreon. Speaking Destroy Patreon supporters are treated to bonus episodes called from my interview archives, like the 2015 interview with Glenn Danzig I recently put up, or the 2016 interview with Kirk Hammett. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at superherohq and please subscribe to this show and to the other shows in the Pop Curse Podcast Network. So here it is, my conversation with comedian Dean Del Rey. This is Speak and Destroy.
1: Definitely, there'd be those people out there that are like, "Oh, fuck anything after clip Burton," you know, and then they finally give in. I don't know. <laughs> it's and it, it's yeah. a string. It's a string of uh stuff that is uh, great for Jason Newstead for sure. You this know, yeah. he he's he's not currently working that I know of, so that's a great revenue stream to yeah, have. there's
0: artist royalties, there's merchandise and he's got he's got a co-write on every album that he's on so yeah it's, even it's great. Like, some publishing.
1: i love the jason era. i think yeah, justice I is the greatest record they ever did so that's that's my uh my thing and and you know it, it's it it becomes the old uh boring argument of uh masters or that and of course i love them both but i just love the lunacy and uh and the insanity and and of uh justice it's a prog metal record it's bizarre
0: yeah and it sounds very cold and distant and angry and tightly wound yeah uh, i you know i i hate the either or conversation why not both and
1: well yeah whenever people say that to me it's daily on twitter they'll be like uh desert island power rage or I would hell I'm like both or neither.
0: Yeah. Both or neither. That's a great way to put it.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like, I, I never live in that world where I choose one or the other. I can have both. And, uh, and at certain times in my life, I need one more than the other. And that's just how it is.
0: Yeah. That's life. And that's, what's great about a lot of these bands that have such, depth to their catalog in so many different shades there's different records for different ways that you're feeling you know want to hear different things at different times
1: I was just doing my Eddie Van Halen tribute podcast just now before I got on to this and I have a hard time picking between women and children and fair warning as far as uh, I mean one the debut that's an obvious one whatever Mm -hmm. you know that's a masterpiece but I'm talking about A band that became, they're completely, there's no covers on either of those records, and they're totally different than one and two, as far as, oh, these guys have become this insane original machine, Mm -hmm. Uh, Women and Children, really, really bizarre, dark record. And then Fair Warning, some would say, was the answer to uh, Randy Rhodes getting a lot of glory at that time.
0: And I'd love 5150, which is sacrilege to some people to even dare to speak of the Sammy era. Um,
1: Well, I'm a Sammy fan. uh, Montrose to, I would say, Standing Hampton. hmm. I think the Danger Zone and... uh, and all of that stuff is mind boggling. Sammy was really on to something in the, you know, he was a classic seventies rock sound and I mm-hmm. love it. Gary Peel, Bill Church on bass, Carmasi I believe was the drummer. Uh, some of that. And, um, it's unreal what he was doing, but, um, you know, by the time it, it got to Van Halen, that just wasn't for me at all. Yeah,
0: it was understandable. Um, yeah. For me, I, I, I like both eras. And one of my favorite Van Halen shows, actually, uh, and believe it or not, it was the first time I ever saw them, which was just luck of the draw, was uh, with Gary Cherone. And wow. not to say that I love the Gary Cherone album, but I'll tell you what I loved about the show was that when you see them with Roth in more recent years as I have you're not gonna hear any Sammy songs yeah when you see them with Sammy you're only gonna hear the same five Roth songs and you may not even get all of those but when I saw them with Gary Sharone, you know it's like the office space Michael Bolton like he's, he celebrated the whole catalog yeah. and you got deep-cut Roth stuff that Sammy had never done you got the whole and he was good. He could sing, you know, both guys stuff and sound good doing it. So it was, it was really cool getting to see him. But, but yeah, of course my favorite Van Halen experience was I got to cover, uh, I was uh, writing for Billboard at the time. They had like a private party, so, so to speak at Jim Henson studios at the old a and studio where they played for i don't know how many of us were there a hundred people maybe but and they had like full production flamingo dancers the whole thing but yeah it was it was roth and of course the van halen brothers and
1: wolfie yeah Um, i I just talked about the same thing i got to see the forum friends and family rehearsal oh six so it was like 150 of us there kirk hammett was there Mark from Death Angel, uh Zach Wilde, all the, they were just 150 people in the form, full production up there. And, Amazing. uh, and they had like a keg of beer in the middle of the form there with red cups. And here we go. <laughs> and I never forgot it. I was two feet away from Eddie Van Halen, just going, like Wow. And I'd seen Van Halen many, 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 many times. So, but that was probably one of the coolest things. It's
0: I've really seen, special so. when you get to, when you find yourself in those moments and you go, okay, life, life is rough sometimes, but I've carved out something cool enough for myself that I get to be here right now. <laughs> right. I got the
1: invite. I always say that, like yeah. you get something like that, like friends and family email and you go, Oh, this is going to be something cool. You, know?
0: <laughs> you hope. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Usually. Yeah. So, and it's interesting. I've I've told this story on the podcast before, but my, my first time seeing Metallica live was the Monsters of Rock Tour, which was Van Halen, Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, second of five, and Kingdom Come or Kingdom Clone, as we called them back then, as the first. But I was so diehard Metallica at that point and a diehard thrash metal head that I thought of all of the other bands as posers. Now, yeah. I will say that if I had it to do over again, if I were to go see that tour any afterward, I would love to watch the Scorpions. I would love to watch Van Halen with Sammy. I would love to see all of those bands now, but at the time my friend and I went, we wore our Metallica t-shirts. We stood with our middle fingers up for all of kingdom come. We watched Metallica and we were home by like three in the afternoon. Uh,
1: I, split, I, I got skipped all those bands. I got burned on that show. It was uh, at the, it was at candlestick in San Francisco where the giants played. It's gone now. They tore it down recently. There's one road in and they had oh, like no i see where of, this is going yeah they had no uh you know uh traffic people out there no lanes closed or anything so we sat in our cars trying to get off the freeway through kingdom Come set mm. right through metallica set and as we started to go around the bend, we just did a U-turn. We knew we missed Metallica, and we drove home. It was a nightmare, a that's nightmare.
0: Awful. It's a borderline criminal to have things that disorganized. That we had
1: tickets happen. and everything, and, and you know, uh, it was one of the only Metallica shows I ever missed. And I'm still furious to this day because when you look at the footage, they were pretty mighty that day.
0: Oh, dude, they were they were on fire in that era, and it was you know obviously pre-internet and pre-metallica getting love from radio stations. So when I the show that I saw, you know, was prior to the release of And Justice For All," so it was the first time I heard "Harvester of Sorrow." They yeah. were playing it on that tour, and it was like to go to a show and see, hear a new song, yeah. And uh, and at my show, which was in Indianapolis, where I grew up. Uh, Jason Newstead's father had driven down from Battle Creek Michigan where Newstead was from and was at the show and I know that because the next morning in the local paper in the entertainment section there was a photo of Newstead's dad in a Metallica shirt up against the barricade in the front row watching Metallica at Monsters of Rock and I had that I clipped it out and had it on my wall as a teenager for years and then in recent years I think I've, I think I've posted it on Instagram actually in, in recent years, uh, a buddy of mine who works at the paper there now, I just hit him up on a lark and was like, Hey, would you have any access to your archives? Could you find like this day and whatever? And he got me a scan. That oh, same rad. picture. That's um, great. yeah just that little that little connection you know where it's like yeah Newstead's dad was at our show yeah
1: (laughs) when you're in Indiana not San
0: Francisco it's like you know yeah 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 that's a big deal unusual Uh, so yeah so tell me about your first experience with the band how did you first discover them hear them
1: well I grew up in San Francisco and uh, excuse me I was uh, you know in the same circles I was playing in a band And I was playing the same clubs, the Stone, the Mabuhe. Uh, I didn't play Ruthie's Inn, but uh, all the other clubs, Keystone, Palo Alto, all that stuff. I was playing that same stuff. And, um, you know, so Metallica was a local band, like any other band at the time. uh, That You know, we'd go see Exodus, Metallica, uh, later on, of course, testament and all that and so i started seeing metallica and then kind of from a distance knowing the guys not like you know hey what's up but you know i would see kirk hammond a lot he was um he was dating a uh a girl that uh that we all knew a friend of ours so i would see him quite a bit and and I would see those guys all the time at the Stone uh, seeing the same shows, you know, that I was going to, Slayer uh-huh. and, uh, you know, Danzig and and all that kind of stuff at the Stone. That was kind of the clubhouse of everybody in the Bay Area. That's where we hung out. As much as Ruthie's was like kind of the ground zero of uh, Exodus and stuff like that, Metallica was definitely uh, uh, the Stone, you know? Yeah. Um, do you
0: remember the first time you saw them?
1: I do remember the uh, first time I saw them was at the Stone. But I think the most monumental time I ever saw them was, of course, that day in the green. Oh, wow. Um, so you were yeah. there for the day on yeah. the
0: green. Yeah, legendary. Yeah. That's like, that's mean, like, that's like, that's like folklore.
1: Yeah, yeah, the kabuki was fantastic. Um, But the day in the green has the most, you know, it it was cool seeing him at the stone, but to see him at this day in the green, and I've told the story many, many times, is that was the day I say is the changing of the guard. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. the day when all of us felt like, wow they did it man and maybe we could do it too if you just bust your ass and just keep going there they are up there and they and they completely destroyed that day and uh, i never forgot it ever
0: i mean i'm still in 2020 looking at youtube clips and photos from that performance i mean just beyond legendary
1: it it really is. It really is. And to be there and to see the kids ripping up the turf and they're throwing it in yeah. the air and yeah. it looks. At one point there was just turf flying all over the sky and Bill Graham's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And 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 you know to see these guys in the dead sunlight. Maybe it's like eleven thirty or noon, and I just remember them absolutely killing it you know i mean it was one of those perfect storms where they had played so much that they were so ready for that from european Mm -hmm. touring and being in front of big audiences that they weren't in front of um in america like that i mean that was sixty five thousand people out there and you know there they are just like oh yeah and there's a great story i read about um cliff burton i guess he was he lived at his parents house or mm-hmm. whatever and he was practicing that morning just getting ready and and then like his girlfriend or whatever said hey what time do you got to be there and he's like oh, i think 11 she's like it's 10 is the story i heard and then he goes what and he gets in his he had like a shitty little truck and he drives there and then there's traffic like i was talking about yeah. at the other show and he just gets out and leaves his um his truck in the middle of the road and runs all the way to the backstage he doesn't have a pass <laughs> like, I've gotta get in here and and the people are like you don't have a pass sorry he's like i'm playing and then he gets in there right in the nick of time and i heard kirk told me that the band was just laughing Amazing. You know, pre pre cell phone and shit they're yeah. not like hey dude i'm out in traffic i'm out here you know they're not even sweating it like where's cliff they're like on in 20 minutes you know
0: amazing amazing
1: yeah i don't know if the story is true i just read that somewhere uh, online about that famous day because i'm so obsessed with that day you know
0: yeah as are a lot of fans and rightfully so yeah um and yeah and as you said like a real changing of the guard moment uh you know going from a local band among other local bands to that and then still even still you know constantly reaching new highs to becoming in the 90s just one of the biggest bands not just in metal but in the world period you know like just the biggest album of the SoundScan era and all of that is just insane
1: i also got to see quite a few kind of cool things being at the stone nonstop, like spastic children oh yeah let's talk about
0: that because that's some more lore for sure Um, yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah and even just i mean i've only ever seen photos you know headfield with the braids and headfield on drums headfield on drums who's who is actually a great drummer Yeah, you know I've, i've seen clips of him playing drums like in the in the jam room and stuff like that but but, yeah, yeah. Ne- I never – obviously never got to see Spastic Children. What was that all about?
1: Well, you know, to me it always seemed like it was just I, – I don't remember any of the songs. I don't remember anything they did. It was just more of like you're there. Wow, there's Headfield, you know, on dr- – this is wild. And you're just there, you know. It's just kind of like a, just another night at the stone. And uh, it, that kind of stuff was cool to see and be around, uh, yeah. you know like seeing jim martin's uh band after he left faith no more that kind of stuff you know he had this song mexican sam which i remember you're just kind of like what is this you know it was always it was always something cool going on around the stone and the bay area you know
0: yeah oh for sure i mean for sure so much incredible music uh from so many genres associated with that with that area and of course with that era that we're talking about I, you know I've watched um oh I think it, is it Hetfield's birthday or Kirk's birthday there's some show where Merciful Fate or King Diamond is playing in San Francisco and the Metallica guys are there and King yeah. Diamond sings happy birthday to one of them wow. <laughs> it's on YouTube but uh yeah just amazing to see that when you get those kind of intimate moments of cool things that can't really be duplicated that stuff's really special
1: yeah yeah and and also when you would go see uh <laughs> i have I a funny story but when well, you go, when you that's go what to we the do st- here yeah when you go to the stone and you see and say slayer or whatever Hetfield would be there and, and he'd be hanging with jim martin a lot and these guys i remember one night we we're in there and they were doing this kind of insane in the audience, slow motion fighting James (laughs) and Jim Uh just in the corner by the bar. So like James would come up to Jim, like, and they're doing it for about five minutes before people start noticing, like, what the fuck are these guys doing? And then Jim, like, Oh, and he'd fall across a table, you know, slow motion. And these these guys are like nine feet tall, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I always thought they were like thirty, you know, but they're like <laughs> two years older than me. But they just seemed so worldly. They've been around. Yeah. They're drinking Jägermeister. You're, yeah. You know what I mean? They had sideburns, and and uh that kind of <laughs> shit was always funny to see them. But like you know, like merciful fate come to town and. And those guys would be there. You knew they were going to be there. Uh, I remember seeing Don't Break the Oath tour. It was just it was just unreal. But those guys were just around all the time. And they were um, – I, mean, I told this famous story where I met Headfield. And, and, you know, he used to be super shy. I'm sure he still is. But he was really shy, so I think mm-hmm. that's why he did a lot of drinking, you know, how to deal with it. Yeah, and, that,
0: and I think that's why in those early shows too, Mustaine would – be kind of the front man like talking in between songs and yeah all that stuff yeah
1: well one time i went up the head field after the show at the stone and i was like man that was a great show tonight and he goes move on that's <laughs> what so he said move on and i was fucking laughing i was like oh what you know yeah I mean? like <laughs> i felt like i felt like a kid Move on. I never forgot it, man. Me and my friends always say it to (laughs) each other. Move on. (laughs) That's badass. I I never forgot that, man. Just fucking straight to my face. Move on, like dead serious with that stone, like yeah, headfield fucking stage. Can be very
0: intimidating, guy. I, I mean, I love the you know to me, Metallica is like the Beatles in that sense, where. All, all four guys have their distinct personalities. You yeah. know, They have their personas, their looks, the type of guitars they play and all that stuff. But their whole vibe. And yeah, one of my favorite life memories is when I was a reporter for MTV. I got to interview James and Kirk. But it, it, basically the, the short version of the story, I've told this story before too, but um, Kurt Loder had done what turned out to be one of the last, if not the last interviews with Johnny Cash. Um, in nashville and so we were running a, an mtv news piece that was that interview and then there were supplemental interviews going with it of other artists talking about johnny cash and i got to do some of those i did uh, chris cornell and uh and james and kirk and james and kirk i flew out to a show in salt lake city and used a local crew and got to go in their tuning room and I'm like moving Hetfield's guitars around and setting up our shot and whatever. And just sat for like 30 minutes talking about Johnny Cash. And it was amazing and they were both great. And you know, I did, fr- I've did was i interviewed Kirk a few times but it was my first time interviewing him and I so I did a little, uh, a name dropped Exodus in like my first question, you know, trying to do the like, Yeah, get it. Hey, get I'm like, like you- this corny guy from MTV with a faux hawk but like I'm a metal dude actually yeah you, know, you kind of build their trust a little and it was great and they were awesome and they told very detailed personal stories and, and so on so afterwards i had that moment of like you know that that fans have with lot with bands that you love and filmmakers you love where i was like i gotta tell these guys what this band means to me you know what it's meant to me All right and um standing there as my crew's packing up and it's just me and the two of them they're kind of at the doorway about to walk out and i go yeah i just want to tell you you know i was parents were divorced when i was young and my mom passed away and this and that and you know I was like ride the lightning master of puppets like those everything you just said about johnny cash like that's what those records were for me like you know some really life-changing and in some ways life-saving stuff and what what i what you got out of kirk is exactly what you would expect out of kirk which is like oh man oh bro dude that's so cool and you know what are you sticking around you gonna watch the show you want to watch from the side of the stage like what you know it's and hetfield was stone cold silent the whole time i'm giving him that and he's got his arms folded he just looks at me and nods his head yeah (laughs) but it wasn't but he wasn't like an asshole you know it was just he heard me he was listening Yeah, it was a nod of acknowledgement of like, I feel, I feel your brother, you know, like, and it's just so, it's so interesting. The, the juxtaposition of personalities, you know, or it's like, and how the the chemistry of how different people like that fit together and make each other great, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you watch that making of the black album and, and you see how much, or even uh, some kind of monster, how Mm -hmm. much, that lars gets away with poking at him with getting his face punched is yeah. unreal and i'm a huge lars fan i don't Me care too. what anybody says 100 but man that scene I, I i posted it yesterday on my instagram where james's voice is fried on the black album and he, and lars is like come on man just sing it what are you doing dude and he's like i told you i can't fucking sing it my throat why don't you fucking come over here and sing it? And it was like so Clint Eastwood, you know. Yeah. Fucking go ahead, make my day. You know, it's, it's uh I, I I mean that's what I love about Hetfield is the um the demons that he has. Uh I mean I don't love that he has demons, but No, his- I know what
0: you mean though, it's part of what we connect to is the yeah. and, and he's preserved in an era when everyone's all over social media and i'm not decrying that even i love right having access i have you know i like seeing king diamond without his makeup in front of his christmas tree yeah. you know and like a nascar hat like i love it it doesn't take away from from the magic but i would argue that headfield is one of those few performers of that stature that has preserved some mystique as yeah. much as they open the door and as much as we know about the guy there's still a part that's very private and yeah. i think allows us to still kind of have that like whoa Hatfield, man, you know, like
1: yeah larger good.
0: than life person
1: I love other stuff about him too, like I'm a huge motorcycle guy, mm-hmm. so is he um car guy, you know, uh, I love that stuff. I'd love to sit down and talk to him about stuff it's um I mean I was at as I sat at the thirty year anniversary shows at the Fillmore and watched what they were unraveling and I was sitting kind of, I was kind of standing in the back. I actually, and as corny as this sounds, I kind of teared up because I was like 30 years. I've been Mm -hmm. with these guys. Uh, I just, these guys are just unbelievable, you know? And what they've done for their fans time and time and time again, I spent quite a bit of time in the snake pit on the Black Album tour, all over, I went mm. all over, mm. and I had access to the Snake Pit nonstop. And to think about that early stuff they were doing for the fans, like the Snake
0: Pit, yeah, and yeah, the
1: fans are in the stage.
0: A magazine. They were they were making a magazine and sending it to the fan club. <laughs>
1: it's it's <laughs> unreal, man. And I've I've seen Metallica easily fifty times, and uh, every time there was always some kind of magic. Uh, I remember um, I'm not a big fan of when they play in the round at all. And they've done that so much now because, you know, that's what they do. But I don't, I feel the power of Metallica is it coming straight at you. Mm -hmm. And I remember Flea about maybe 10 years ago, maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 now or something had a benefit for his music school and Metallica headlined it at the wheel turn. And they opened up with um, they opened up with "Creeping Death," and it was the first time I'd seen them in a long time, straight on
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a club, like a you know, other than the Fillmore. And I was like, "Oh my god, this fucking band! The power when they play like at that yeah at, at that level is yeah it, it's unreal, man. It's them and and Slayer, just what they can command." It's 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 bizarre. I do miss the old mean head field. Um, I need that for me, but that's just me trying to relive the old world, and I'm <laughs> sure he can't really go there, but I I do miss that. Like, you know, if you watch that binge and purged, you know, Seattle, San Diego. That
0: Seattle shows
1: unstoppable. I saw those shows. I saw that tour five times and mm to me that and the black album are the mighty mighty headfield there's at that time i was like there's no one like that guy he was just the he was the new ted nugent as far as like fucking the big man up front guitar long hair cowboy boots you know those wristbands the crazy mustache the the the, the
0: the the satanic stance as he calls it with the, the yep. bent knees and the, the yeah and the
1: bent down into the mic yeah and and uh you know especially the justice with the white sneakers black pants you know yeah dude white explorer era. Yep. it's like wow i mean and I, I,
0: and, yeah dude yeah and i gotta say what i really miss from that era and it's no disrespect to the current lineup of the band of course i miss those Newstead
1: backups the best, the best, you know. It's just like when, you know, accusation, accusation, don't break Yeah, the know, call, the that, call
0: and response. Oh,
1: yeah. oh fucking Jason so underrated, man. Um do and when
0: he would do lead when he would sing like Creeping oh, yeah, Death or Seek and yeah. Destroy and just the monster.
1: He was he was fucking into it. It's uh, it's interesting to see where Jason went mentally. Um over all these years, you know? Um, I don't know. You know, uh, when Jason came out for the 30-year anniversary, I was really hoping that maybe they would do a run, uh, like some kind of family run and have that guy play. Holy shit, man. It's it's crime because he's not even old or anything. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, there's a mixture of stuff that we've always heard. Is his neck fucked up from head banging? I'm sure it is. My neck is fucked up. Tom Mariah's neck was fucked up.
0: Hey, as, as James pointed out in an interview I was listening to once, three out of four big four front men have had neck surgery.
1: 100%. <laughs> so it was it a, a combo of uh, constantly being uh, beat down and uh, hazed? Uh, was he just burnt on metal uh, and wanted to do that echo brain? Uh, wh- whatever it is. Um, I'm just glad I got to see that era. And of course the Cliff Burton era, I'm not going to, you know, Cliff Burton era was unreal, but uh, you know, I saw so much, uh, so much of the Jason era, like, you know, nonstop. Yeah.
0: And I think that that's something that gets lost because obviously Cliff, you know, in death has become this mythological figure and rightfully so. But a lot of us, we grew up with. I mean, I discovered Metallica as a kid in Indiana. Garage Days was the current release. Right. You know, it was like in between albums, and so you know that was the first thing I heard. And then I got Master of Puppets, and then I got. And then by the time Justice came out, I was like there buying it on street day because I was a fan. So that was so I was aware of Cliff, and I had the Cliff VHS, and I knew that he had passed at that point, just less than a year before. But Jason, the Jason lineup was the lineup that I knew and followed all through the '80s, all through the '90s, and and as a load reload defender, um, you know, and Jason really getting a chance to shine and songs like "Bleeding Me" and "Outlaw Torn," which are like my favorite songs from that era. Yeah, it was a really big chunk of time and a chunk of time when they were really productive and really working hard. You know, they take a, for better or worse, they take a long time between records these days.
1: Yeah, yeah, they do. I um you know, I'm not a uh like I've I've been there since day one with Metallica. So a lot of people love kill 'em all. I was never a kill 'em all guy as much as I was a lightning guy. When lightning came around, yeah. I was like, wow, these guys That's
0: still my personal favorite. Is
1: that right? Yeah. And you know, you gotta understand when you're in the scene. I was talking to Kirk about this when Lightning came out. That just seemed like a record that none of us could ever write. You know, like, wow, what are these tunes with the crazy beginning of uh fight fire with fire? You know, that 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 kind of um you know uh the acoustic guitar at the front. I mean, nobody was kind of doing that, you know. Not, yeah. None, none yeah, of the guys like I was around. Yeah. And then um uh, you know, Bells, Tolls, and, and all that shit was... They seemed like th- sagas. Like, whoa, who wrote yes. this stuff? like this cin- is-
0: cinematic. You could picture, like, movies in your head when you're yeah. listening to those epics, yeah.
1: And it was so different than Kill em All. And, and from then on, I was just like, this is the goddamn band, man. It really was, you know. Um, four guys that were not good-looking, had no hit songs, grassroots. I still... Um, operate my life around their theory. And hope that other fans would spread the word of my podcast and my comedy in a way that people spread the word of demo trading and, and all that. I I always pray for that and it could happen way faster if people weren't um, as lazy, you know, with, with retweets and Instagram and Facebook, you can get somebody hot fast. If, if they all yeah. get behind it. You know well, and I, mean? I think
0: also that Metallica ethos that you're hinting at too includes, and I see this with your comedy and your podcast, and one of the reasons I follow you and one of the reasons I'm happy to have you on is the idea that you make stuff for yourself without compromise as long as you're into it and you're happy with it. And then you are happy with the people who come to you and discover it. You know, it's like Metallica never went mainstream. The mainstream came to them. Right. You know, they built something that couldn't be ignored. and then And when they did change and evolve, it was on their own terms and for their own reasons. And I see that you're in that Metallica school of thought, like that same type of performer. Like you do your thing, you have your persona and it's you. And it's very clearly what you want to be doing. And then people connect with it and they like it or they don't like it, but you're not like pandering or, you know, doing stuff that's super broad or whatever just to try to be popular you're the art is first and then the popularity comes second I
1: I try to do that and I was telling uh I didn't I'm doing a series with Mr. Bungle and I, I I think I learned a lot from people like Mike Patton and Metallica and as uh you know and I also learned early on uh the the saying of be careful what you get famous for is so true because if you end up doing something that's not you and then you're famous for that yeah you'll hate you'll hate your fans forever that's and- like that's
0: like the whole uh the ricky gervais uh, extras show i don't know if you ever watched that show but that was like the arc of that whole series he plays a character that you know wants to be a serious actor and he ends up being famous for a, a crappy watered down sitcom with catchphrases and and he's miserable and that's like kind of the arc of that show
1: i mean i have heard uh people that hate their fans and uh i i won't name names because it's not i haven't heard it from their mouths but i've heard other people go like oh god he hates his fans And my dream was always to be, I don't call them fans. I just call them friends because they would be people I would hang out with because they read the same books, listen to the same music, dig the same films, go to art galleries, like architecture, into automobiles, you know what I'm saying? And then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I could hang out with these people. But I couldn't imagine changing yourself to get big and then having to deal with these people while you're out at a grocery store or something, someone come on or, daí, or,. and you're like, oh, fuck. That's why I never wanted to be the rocker comic or the biker comic. Yeah. Or yeah. Any of that shit. I wanted to just be a comedian. So when people would be like, well, we got an idea for you. We want you to be the biker comedian. I'd say no. And they'd be like, what? No we're going to give you money and you're broke. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'll find it some other way. You know what I mean? And then you're, uh, it'll, it'll, you're labeled, fi- it'll find you. Yeah. No. You're labeled difficult to work with or whatever. And it's like, no, nah, man, I just, I, I have a vision. And if, uh, if, if it takes way longer then it takes way longer, but, uh, look, I'm nine years on this podcast. I can't even tell you how many labels hit me up daily hey, man, we really like to have this band on, you know, give me a little bump or something. And it's like, absolutely not. And and they're like, what? And I'm like, that ain't, you know, I have to have on stuff I like. I can't just have a a broad general garbage show.
0: Yeah, especially because it's so personal and it's such a reflection of who you are, just like comedy is, right? Like your bits, your stories, your that's you you know you're it's, putting your trust out thing there. yeah it's a trust thing yeah. if
1: the fans all of a sudden you got some band on and they're like why does he got this band on you know uh then they, they start sniffing it out you know they start sniffing it out like ah this show's changed you know some guy recently left a comment and i never really read the comments but i was laughing at this one he wrote uh this podcast was great for a long time but now he's just uh catering to uh begging people for stuff they make on his podcast and i was like blown away how idiotic that statement was i i have people on once a month that make stuff denim boots cars guitars, stuff you like already that's part of who you stuff, are stuff stuff yeah. that i have bought and was like this stuff is so amazing i need to share this guy's uh story so he can keep making shit and the idiocy of of somebody to think that uh, I'm on there to get free shit. It's like, hey, idiot! I've got this guy on. I'm trying to share somebody that's doing something cool, uh, you know, uh, for so he can stay in business, you know. So we don't have to all shop at Walmart and look like fucking number four, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if it, and if it was to get free stuff, um, you'd be getting much bigger companies with much more free crap to give you you If i was
1: fucking one bigger i would have the dumb shirts that you see these people wear this swag and shit you know all the time like that's easy to get you know what i mean it's like i could get that dumb shit it's it's uh, it's so dumb man it's like why would you think that somebody uh like a small guy like say this guy brian the bootmaker you know, why? oh yeah, I'm gonna have him on and get a free pair of boots. I bought boots from the guy and then had him on. <laughs> right. And also getting a free
0: pair of boots, that's not paying your bills. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. yeah, I live in Los Angeles, you idiot, where rent's twenty five hundred dollars and gas is four dollars and car insurance is you know four grand a year, and and you know, health care is almost non existent. It's just nuts.
0: <laughs> indeed um and i i would i would also you know you brought up the thing about you know making sure that you steer clear of being painted into a corner or put in a box as biker comic just because you ride or metal comic because you like acdc and metallica um but on that train of thought um there are comedians who i am a fan of and in some cases i know are friends of yours um and contemporaries and whatnot who aren't metal comics with air quotes but do love metal oh yeah uh, so I'm curious um you know Bill Burr comes to mind I've gotten to interview him before I'm a huge fan of his yeah I know he I know he likes Meshuggah and Pantera um and of course you know we think of Brian Posehn and some other cats um do you find that there's uh, were you surprised when you started doing stand-up that like hey wait there's some like some of these other guys are into metal like?
1: Who knew? no n- not at all um I think that uh comedy world's so big and yet so small at the same time, but you've got all different people out there on the patio is what I call it The comedy store has this patio mm-hmm. and you see the groups there's the hip hop guys they like hip hop and they they wear the current sneakers and you know a hoodie or whatever, and then there's the uh you know the guys that just kind of dress like say the comics uh that you think are gonna just a uh, uh you know a button-up shirt and and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know whatever and then you've got the kind of the misfits the pasanes the kyle cananes me uh, the burr the the marins uh those type of guys there's there's you know comedy is just like it, your job uh, wherever somebody works that's listening it's all different people in there. There's some people that don't even like music. That's more right. the people, the people right. that blew my mind. You know, you're like they, they, don't, they don't care what's on. But I could tell if you're at the comedy store, the comedy store building is painted black. It's on the Sunset Strip. The day I walked on the patio to start comedy, the reason I went there was in the old days, my buddy used to sell cocaine there in the 80s. And I would go down with him and he would walk through the place, sell the Coke, be done. And then we'd hang on the patio and they just cranked rock. And to this day, it's, you know, rock and roll out on that patio.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you think like Sam Kinison or even Rodney or yeah, a lot Dice. of these legends, Dice, yeah, Dice, there was, yeah. There was yeah. definitely rock and roll Oops, in the DNA. In the,
1: yeah. Yeah. And the, the the store is rock and roll in a way of meaning – a black building in the beautiful yeah. LA, like what? Yeah. It's black. Why is it black? You know, it's <laughs> uh, it's it's a bunch of uh, people like me that are just crazy, you know. And uh, we all gather in this place where we uh, we we sometimes lose our minds. Yeah, you and know?
0: you you exercise your own Hetfield style demons. through your own art up on stage
1: yeah you know and now even as i'm older now i'm i'm like way into the dead which is funny and that's just a uh another way i look at comedy of of like jamming you know Mm, sure i get all this material in my head and try not to go up with a with a set exact robotic set i try to just jam in and out of the bits, and sometimes you eat a dick doing that, and other times you, uh, you, you, you just, you score, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, dude, that's killer. That is killer. Um, well, I think that's a great place to wrap it. If you have other, I don't want to say other, because I'm sure we could do three more episodes and probably yeah. will someday about Metallica. Yeah. But, um, you know, we talked a lot about their ethos and all of that. What do you think it is about the band? That has caused them to be so enduring. because one thing I've noticed about Metallica over the years is even different fans that jump ship at different points in the band's history. Uh, they're only good up till this album, they're only good up till this album and as Lars has pointed out they had people complaining that ride the lightning had a ballad on it. you know oh, yeah. this isn't yeah. a kill them all, it's not fast enough or whatever. Um, but even those people I've noticed that whenever Metallica does something if it's playing with Lady Gaga, if it's s 2, if it's putting out a new album, if it's putting out a 3D movie, if it's doing a festival, whatever it is, all of those people, fan, non-fan, former fan, everyone knows about it and everyone talks about it. There's always an opinion about whatever Metallica's thing. What do you think it is about them that has made them so relevant when so many other bands, you know, come and go?
1: Well, I think Mitzi Shore, the owner of the... The comedy star who's no longer Winston, pace, yeah. yeah. She said it the best. In order to be the biggest, you have to have 50% of the people hate you mm. and 50% of the people love you. Because then there's always going to be talk at the mm. water cooler. Mm. If everyone loved you, boring. And if everybody hated you, you're gone. Right, so if you have half and half, you're constantly going to have conversation, and that's what you have with Metallica, and also one hundred percent real dudes, and say what you will about the some kind of monster movie uh they laid it out on the line, mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh right there. you see those people for for real they're not those aren't actors. And that shit is real. The, the mental stuff and the anguish and the happiness and everything is a hundred percent real. So I think it has just, a uh, and also the superhero thing or the underdog thing of um, that's what it was with me. They fucking made it. Everybody mm-hmm. told them no mm-hmm. and they made it. Mm-hmm. And that and keeps yeah, me gone.
0: Even when, you know, cause I, I, I had the unique vantage point of the black album hit, when i was a junior in high school and then nirvana nevermind was was my senior year and i got into all this stuff metal and punk and everything really really young so i got to have the experience of being picked on bullied alienated cast aside made fun of for all this stuff that i loved and then watching jocks and cheerleaders get into metallica when i was in 11th grade and then watching them all get into punk when i was in 12th grade and having that, that, um, that redemptive feeling of like, I fucking told you, you know? Like yeah, yeah. I knew this stuff was cool, you know? And feeling the same thing when like suddenly the Avengers is like the biggest movie of all time, you know, and you're like, yeah. Remember when people made yeah. fun of me for reading comics in high school? Like, um, all, you know, it's like we took over, all of us.
1: <laughs> you know. I'm also a guy that never <laughs> abandoned somebody. Um I'll take the ride. Black crows, I've taken the ride. There's this stuff I don't like Metallica does, but uh I've taken the ride. I don't abandon them. I yeah. mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, that wasn't for me, but I still like the Lou Reed record, but I don't like the load and reload, you know? And I you mean, like it, load and reload. So yeah,
0: I like load and reload, and I don't like the Lou Reed record.
1: Right, right. <laughs> there and you I go, like, yeah. And I love either Neither Frantic. of us bailed right yeah, yeah. I, I still love some kind of monster yeah I, I mean think,
0: robert de niro's made some movies i didn't love it doesn't yeah. mean i'm like I still doesn't mean I it doesn't mean i am like I does not mean i do not love though. the. yeah exactly it doesn't mean yeah. i won't still see new ones and doesn't mean i don't still love the great ones you know yeah
1: and i, I think those people that that say they they're gone are always there you know what i mean yeah yeah, that's like, a, ah, yeah. i don't fucking listen to that it's like really all right you liar you know what i mean yeah, if, I mean, some, I mean, if, that
0: song, if that certain song comes on, you're playing air guitar.
1: There's 16,000 <laughs> people here. Somebody, Somebody's still on board. You know what I mean? Exactly. Fucking guys. Exactly. I, well, love, the la- I love the last three or four records they've done. It's me too. pretty wild, you know?
0: Me too. That, well, what I like about the Lou Reed one is it's not officially a Metallica record. It's a Metallica right. Lou Reed record. Well, I can still say I love all the records.
1: (laughs) I like that they try to take chances. Oh, dude, and and I've
0: said this on here before. I I do not fault them for doing it. I understand why they did it. I think they should have done it. My only only, uh, revisionist history would be do it, put it away, and then someday years down the road when they're like a legacy act where, you know, God forbid somebody passes away or the band's not really active anymore, Then somebody can go, did you know Metallica did this like weird art rock record with Lou Reed?
1: And they made videos
0: for it and blah, blah, blah. And then it like comes out as this like curiosity. I think in that context, it probably would have been better received even. but
1: I'll tell you. uh, I
0: love that it upset people. I love the punk rockness of it. That's what I'm saying. It's like,
1: you know, 50% hate you, 50 love you. And then you got it. I, I I mean, before we get out of here, I, I'll tell you this: uh, I you know, nine years on the podcast, and uh, I grew up in that Metallica scene. I, I know the guys, and I've spent many nights with Lars, and and uh, for Kirk Hammett to come do the podcast, mm. it it meant so much to me. It because you know, I mean, I ran into him at Slayer. And then I ran into him again, and he goes, "Man, I ran into you twice. I guess I got to do this podcast. It's a sign." And the 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 politeness of this—I bring in the you know, bring Greeny the guitar, and letting me play it, and and, and 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 no time restriction on the podcast, and no topics restricted, nothing. Just sit down, talk for four hours you know it was unreal and i could have went longer i could have went 10 hours with him without him saying a word but i had to fly back to vegas to do a show that day but that was uh that's a little um taste of who those people are yeah one of
0: those things where there's they don't have to be there there's nothing in it for them it's not transactional they're just cool
1: One hundred percent giving back all the time to any kind of community, the Marin County community with fires. Oh yeah, uh, the the All Within My
0: Hands Foundation stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's unreal, man. They do more than anybody I I know. You know, it's it's wild. Well, Dean, thanks so much for coming on. You know when it goes up and all that. Podcast because it's like, you know, people come on and I go, well, what do you want to talk about? And they go, well. We want to talk about your, uh, trend, you know, your your from going from musician to comedy. And I go, well, I've done that on Rogan. I've done that on Aaron. Yeah. I've done yeah. that on Burr. I've done that on Pete Holmes. You know, I, I, I don't want to tell that story anymore. It's, yeah.
0: And it's available if you want to hear it. And all the all biggest podcasts in the world. The
1: biggest platforms. And... And then they go, well, you can just come on and shoot the shit about music. And I go, well, I, uh, I've been doing that for nine for years. For nine years
0: on my own, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on my exactly. own. You know? yeah. And, and uh, I don't mind doing people's podcasts if it's something that I enjoy uh, talking about. And Metallica is one of those things. Hell sure. yeah,
0: brother. And that's, and that's been something that, you know, for me, I've been interviewing as a journalist people for 20 years at this point. And, you know, I started a, a couple different podcasts because... I wanted each of them to have like an elevator pitch where it's like we talk about Metallica you know it's like yeah it's not just like okay oh, especially now when everyone has a podcast Yeah, Um it's not just hey just come on we just talk like eh, there's not enough yeah. time in the day for doing that anymore
1: <laughs> so I do have a second podcast coming out I can't say the name yet unfortunately because it'll give but, it away. Yeah, but I'm moving all of the handmade episodes. You know, the one where I ask people for free yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving all that. Oh,
0: your sellout episodes,
1: bro? Yeah, yeah. yeah, fucking gay. I'm moving all those under one umbrella. They're going to have their own show. And so uh, right. that'll be out on Thursdays. So I've got 75 back episodes and then I'll be dropping new episodes. So that'll all be on one uh, umbrella for now on, which would be cool. Brad, that's awesome
0: yeah see you're you're like me that elevator pitch what is this show
1: one sentence yeah do you make shit come on (laughs) and then my other ones of course is let there be talk and uh it's on itunes or libsyn or my patreon.com slash dean delray this you can get it everywhere but spotify and stitcher appreciate you taking
0: the time doing this one man it means a lot
1: thank you buddy.